going on, everybody? Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Welch Report. With me, John Luke Welch. Make some noise. Clap it up wherever you are. Get excited. We're back again on another episode today. My goodness, so glad to be with you today. My, we are going to talk about the NBA, specifically the Brooklyn Nets, as the main topic of this day's show, and their rapid rise to potential, um, nearly the top of the NBA from a dumpster fire of a start this season. How the world did that happen? And how can they keep that moving forward throughout the year, as well as much more on the show, like the MVP race coming, or, or rather, who's a, fr- a current MVP front runner in the NBA as well. We're going to talk about that on the show, Best Believe. But again, this is Welch Report. I'm your host, Jean-Luc Welch. We got so much to do, so much to cover, and I can't wait to do it with you beautiful people. Just remember, as a quick promotional plug for myself, we are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and every major podcasting platform on the market today. And if I'm not, tell me and I'll get on there. Absolutely. As well as we are right here on YouTube where you can see and hear my beautiful voice at all times of the day. And remember, you can subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe to the channel. Comment your thoughts and opinions as well as like the video and share this video and channel with everybody that you know so we can build up this empire together. My goodness, we're on the road to a in this short stint of time we've been consistently uploading or we can get there and i can't do it without your help so thank you so much for all the support and please spread the word so we can make this thing bigger and better and i can get some revenue for you the viewer and make this show bigger and better for you and and more, more enjoyment and also put some money in my pockets as well that won't hurt me none <laughs> that won't hurt oh, not one bit if we can make that happen. But promotion aside, let's get it popping right now. Brooklyn, my goodness, this team has gone from the worst to nearly the first within the span of by the time the all-star voting is coming to play. We're nearly halfway through the season, and this team has righted their wrong seemingly in this in this early part of the year. And it's Come out the not come out the gate, rather, from a slow start, has gained their traction, found their footing, and moved, and I mean moved, ran through the league into the second best record in the NBA. Tied for the second best record with the Milwaukee Bucks. What in the world happened that caused this major turnaround? Now, mind you, if you were watching this channel, you've heard other media outlets as well. You've seen the backlash on the Brooklyn Nets, and rightfully so. All the questions that were asked, can they stay healthy? Is this a team that can actually be a contender? Oh, is Kevin Durant going to leave? Is Kyrie Irving serious about basketball? A bunch of things and a bunch of moves were speculated that were going to be made. For me included, I thought Kevin Durant was going to, after the season, or shoot, before the trade deadline, say, hey, get me out of here. Again, after that abysmal start, I'm thinking that more front of moves are going to be made, everything left, right, and center. Just a full implosion of the team, and they would have to go back and regroup with an entirely new roster. That's what I thought it was going to happen. Because, yeah, First, optics looked like this team was utterly dead. Dead to rights. Count of 10 was coming. They were at 8, and it wasn't even the first round. Or it wasn't even the end of the first round. And they were already at the count of 8 on the mat, ready to be counted out. That's what I had. That's what many other people had. But this team got up, dusted themselves off, and really came out guns blazing. In at But... Through the halfway point of the NBA season, as All-Star voting is getting ready to trickle in, All-Star weekends coming up sooner rather than later, and this team right now is sitting at 25-13 and 13 on a 12-game win streak before the loss of Chicago this past Wednesday, or rather yesterday, excuse me, I don't know why I'm getting so, so uh, um, um, formal, yesterday. This team lost to Chicago, but before that, they were on a 12-game win streak. Again, 25-13 on a year, tied with the Bucks for the second-best record, not only in the East, but in the entirety of the NBA. And how did this happen? Well, I'll tell you how this happened. Against all odds, first off, it was chemistry. This is a team that we, mind you, consistently said 
this team has a dark cloud over their head because something or other happens. And on a consistent basis, it comes a time when you're listening and then all of a sudden, boom, something, the bottom falls out from them. Consistently, that sound is exactly how it feels or felt rather for a number of years. Watching the Brooklyn Nets, watching Kyrie Irving, watching Kevin Durant, they, every time they've been together, because inevitably that the, 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 the murmurs were going to happen. And then slowly but surely things built up, built up, and then boom, the bottom fell out from under the team. Everything fell apart, and just it was a absolute dumpster fire of a year for the past couple years. That's what it's been like. I've been critical of it because that's what the track record has shown. However, this year has been a little different. We, the, the murmurs were there early on in the season. Seemingly, everything was going to fall out from under them again like we had seen year after year after year. But all of a sudden, before that big climactic boom of the floor crumbling from under the net's feet, they get it together. And they're playing together, and specifically not just in terms of chemistry, which is, again, a big factor, but also in terms of actually being on the floor together. The chemistry of or from consistency. They were able to now have Kyrie Irving and KD on the floor consistently throughout the majority of the season, causing them to be able to actually build on-court chemistry, not just within the uh, KD and Kyrie, which we know that they have, but amongst the whole of the Brooklyn Nets. This is exactly why the first big three of this team failed when James Harden was here and why he initially left because of the fact that this team was slated to never have the on-court chemistry necessary to actually take advantage of the talent that they had at their disposal. And what are we seeing right now? A full, fully this team taking advantage of the talent that is put in front of them. Now, again, this roster on paper doesn't look like it has a lot with them. But once you build in a comfortability amongst the organization, amongst the players, amongst, okay, getting a feel of how they play, understanding who is the definitive number one, number two, number three option, constantly understanding your reps, constantly understanding how exactly to flow in the offensive mindset without constant changes being made throughout the roster in every lineup, every single night. What do you get? A team that is one of the best offensive rated teams in this league starting offensive rating right now and amongst this stretch put up 125 points amongst that 12 win um uh, uh, streak that they were on this is a team that has found out how to operate on the offensive end beyond just kd and Kyrie, which is something i didn't think they were going to be able to do and something something that I thought it was going to be a talk task for them because the way this offense is structured, it's more of an ISO-centric offense, understandably so. KD and Kyrie, two of the best scorers in the NBA right now, two of some of the most capable scorers. Well, one, the most capable scorer in the NBA right now in Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving also one of the is, is in that top three to five of most capable scorers in the NBA today. No doubt about it. Having those two on the floor should be where you get the, your bulk of your offense. No doubt about it. But it was where everybody else fell in, fit and fell into play that was going to be a little bit sketchy. Now they figured it out. Now you got U Utah Watanabe shooting. The, right now is the best three-point shooter in the league. Now he's not the best three-point shooter. We get that Steph Curry and we get that Klay Thompson. And now we saw what Klay Thompson can do once now that he's back in stride seemingly with his 51-point performance and 10 threes, I believe 10 threes made in the game. Phenomenal, but right now, statistically, on for, for from a percentage perspective, Yuta Watanabe is the best three point shooter right now, leading the league in percentage. Again, the butter shooting 50 was it what is it 54 57 percent, something, something just about 55 percent from three, shooting 71 percent from the corner, and 
was 61% from the wing. The brother's having a phenomenal season shooting the ball. He is a marksman. We thought that was going to be what Joe Harris was going to be because, again, we know Joe Harris is a shooter, but this brother's come to play and is legitimately turned into one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. Statistically, again, the best shooter in the NBA right now, which is phenomenal. And on top of that, now every every all the other pieces have fallen into place. You gotta you have a squad that legitimately has an identity on the offensive end and can consistently produce from that identity. And that comes from having consistent reps and being able to be on the floor with each other for more than what 13, 15 games. And having and, and 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 being able to flow from that familiarity of understanding everybody's game—that's what makes this team right now so dangerous on the offensive end, and rightfully so, should be one of the best offenses in the NBA right now, no doubt about it. But also. With that being said, you know what else makes this team so deadly? You know what else makes this team so relentless? You know what else makes this team so hard to beat during this stretch? It's the defensive side. It's the defensive side. And yes, that comes from chemistry as well. Yes, that comes from being on the floor and everybody being comfortable and knowing their place and knowing what to do on the defensive end. But also, that comes from the second point, which what which is what making this team so utterly, ridiculously dangerous and ridiculously successful over this stretch of 12 wins. It's the fact that now Coach Jacques Vaughn has instilled in our defensive identity on this team. Say what you want about what was going on amongst the overarching dilemma and drama that was the Brooklyn Nets for the past couple years up until early this season. It was the fact, one of the main points, was the fact that they didn't have they didn't have good coaching and nor good defense. Now, however, Jacques is 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 going, first off, Jacques Vaughn is going to be the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. They better sign him to a full contract instead of take off the interim tag because this brother is playing incredibly, incredibly well, astronomically well, from what this team was to what he's brought this team to is utterly ridiculous. He has brought this team to 10th in defensive rating, legitimately in the entirety of the NBA, or 9th, depending on which, 10th or 9th, depending on if you're trying to split hairs with numbers and decimal, play, all that stuff. Either way, top 10 in defense in terms of defensive rating is something that I never thought this team was going to be able to do. Never thought this team was going to be able to do. And that's because... Again, because of the fact that one, they didn't have, they still don't on paper have the bodies to be able to be a, a consistently good defensive team. When you look at a team, we don't see a bunch of defensive monsters or defensive consistent players on the team. I'm sure you got Nick Claxton, an athletic, athletic center, sure, but even then, he wasn't great. He was never great on the defensive end. I've been critical of him on the defensive end, as I should have been, because he wasn't performing as a big man, being able to get consistent stops in the paint. Royce O'Neal, eh, okay, defender, not necessarily great. Seth Curry, nothing. Yuta Watanabe, nothing. Patty Mills, nothing. Again, Markeith Morris, okay, maybe as a defensive presence. He's more, he's the one, one of the better defensive players on this team, specifically. And of course, you got KD. We know he can play good defense. We know he can be a good, at his best, can be a great defender. Again, he was a rim protector on the Warriors, leading, leading that team in block legitimately when he was playing there at one point in time and was a great could play great to good perimeter defense but outside of that this team wasn't for the most part made up of teams or players that aren't really that defensively sound and savvy at all and that was that that's just the truth both now and when they were legitimately bad but you know what's changed that not only just the chemistry of this team playing together and lineups not getting constantly subbed in and out with, with harsh postures of bodies. But it's the fact that Jacques Vaughn has put in an identity on defense of switching 
that is causing this team to be so successful. Left, right, and center, this team is switching everybody, and it's working. It's working. And this is something that Steve Nash could not do. Steve Nash, as great as he is as a player, maybe offensively minded, this brother was good. Maybe, because again, he led seven second, the seventh second offense of the Phoenix Suns back in his heyday, two time MVP. Again, was average, what was he after? What, 13 and 13 for a couple of years? Should he have gotten two MVPs, in my opinion? No, but that's a topic for another day. Despite that, this is a player who, player turn coach in Steve Nash, who is on the court phenomenal, off the court, the brother can't coach. I'm sorry, he just can't coach. Maybe he needs more experience. Touche. He can get that from somewhere else. But with this squad, nah, it was just a match made in 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 in, in an abyss. A match made in darkness because it was horrible. He couldn't see nothing with nothing with this team. Now, however, Jacques Vaughn has turned this team into a defensively sound, switching, active team where all their players are constantly making the right adjustments. This man has turned this team around. He is the, one of the main reasons why this team is so successful. Rocky start, absolutely. But once he, again, chemistry through consistency, once he got to play and coach a consistent level of players and be there to let the adjustments fall into place and work and mold and get acclimated with the entirety of the roster. Now you're looking at a team that looks completely different, a complete 180 from what they were at the start of the year. This squad right now is can be slated to have a shot at a title run. It's early to say, absolutely. Is it? Yeah, yes, it's early to say, but I've said this in past episodes, recent past episodes. Not early past episodes, or excuse me, not later past episodes. No, I was critical of them. And rightfully so I was. But now, changing my tune, and rightfully so, changing it in the past episodes, giving them credence, and giving them credence right now in the episode dedicated to them. This team is built to potentially have a shot at the title. Legitimately. Now they're performing on all fronts, and now they've righted the ship and righted the wrongs of what was holding them back, which was lack of consistency both on the floor and off the floor, because a bunch of off-court issues were just demoralizing this team. Now, however, they're not worrying about that. We They've been quiet for the most part, even despite the Kyrie Irving drama with the shoes and the movie and all that stuff, they've been able to still produce Kyrie Irving Say what you want about him off the floor. On the floor, he's been able to play. That's been the biggest critique of him in this whole Brooklyn Nets squad. Can Kyrie Irving be on the floor for them to actually be able to build something with him being at the nuke or at the nucleus for this team? And now we're seeing, okay, it is the case on the floor. We know what Kyrie Irving can do. We just want to know how long we're going to be able to do it. And now he's able to do it for a long period of time. That's all we were asking for. That's all we needed. That's all we prayed for was for Kyrie Irving to finally have the ability to be on the floor on a consistent basis. We knew KD was going to be there. We knew the rest of the roster was going to be there unless moves were made like I thought was going to happen happened. And trades transpired as the trade deadline moved closer and closer, or rather once the trade window opened, Moves were going to be made, but now maybe that might not need to happen. Now we're looking at a roster that has a a they have they have a glue, they have a glue, they have a glue that's keeping them together, which is something that we kept saying. Well, the some, the bottom's going to fall out from under them. Well, because there was no stability on and off the floor. Now, however, you got stability on the floor. He's Kyrie's there. And he's producing and he's putting up numbers for more than just 13, 45 games. However long you know he's been playing these past couple years. And now we don't gotta worry about that. Now we got a we got a brother who is there with his who, who can be a running mate, a robin to the Batman, which is Kevin Durant. And consistently produce. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Averaging 26, 5, and 4 on in on again, great shooting splits. He is playing an incredible brand of basketball, and it's 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 phenomenal. It's a moi, 
moi. That's all you can say. That's all you can say. It's, it's, it's a chef's kiss because this is what we've waited for, waited for, for this brother to do. And he's now doing it. And he's doing it, shooting about 50% from the field, almost 37% from three. It's incredible. And his free throw numbers are always great, 91%. He, you can't get. This is why this team was both so feared and also so nonchalant. Or to the rest of the NBA, excuse me, this team was so feared in their potential, but nonchalant in reality because we kept seeing, well, if they put it together, oh, this team can be lethal. If. It was consistently if. And now that if has become, well, now that they are doing it, the reality is this team is producing on all fronts. And now we're looking at a squad that, Say what you want about what the roster looks like. Their production, led by Katie and Kyrie, has caused this team to, to not potentially, to legitimately be seen as a threat for the title for a number of teams. Now, let's pump the brakes to a degree. This is still early in the season. Again, they would have 26 and 25, excuse me, and 13. It's still early in the season, even with that great record. They can still falter they can still implode something can still happen that can cause this team to fail and drop back down again now is it less likely yes you know why because a coach Vaughn has been there put in place and is doing an incredible job but in spite of that stuff can still happen because this is a team that while they are playing on the highest of highs right now the lowest of lows is still there that security even with Jacques Vaughn there still is a legitimate concern they, 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 you can't just fall back and say ah they they only fall but so much because we've seen this team fall from, again, first to worst in the worst way possible a number of times. So I don't want to hear that, oh, this team is set to win the championship. No, 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 no. I said this team has a potential to have a shot at the title. That's what I'm saying. That's the distinction with this roster right now. This team has the potential to fight for a title, which is something that you would have, again, laughed at if you initially said that at the start of the year and said that for a number of years because this team kept on failing and failing and failing and failing no matter how good they looked now however the one thing that you don't see with this roster is one a lack of consistency and two a lack of foundational support and a lack of foundational play that's what was lacking foundation they have a foundation. Seemingly, they have a foundation. All this can go wrong quick and in a hurry. Absolutely. But right now, this team has a foundation. It's something that they've lacked for a number of years. And again, that can be, not can be, is a credit to the coach. The coach brings stability. The coach brings foundational fortitude. The coach is something that Kyrie Irving and, Kate and, and company was saying they didn't even need when they first banded together with James Harden and Kevin Durant. We don't need coaching. Particularly, you said that after, after James Harden left, but even still, despite that, while his tenure on the Nets was there, he said that they don't need a coach. That is what he said. Those are the words out of his mouth. And because of that, look at what happened. Failure after failure after failure. Now, this is the importance of coaching. This is why you have to understand you can't just put an amalgamation of players together and it just expect it to work. You got to have somebody riding the ship to make that work. There are few people that can make that work without a coach. Bill Russell, who was a player coach, LeBron with his IQ and intellect, Larry Bird, and then that list, still, that might be it. Magic Johnson, maybe. But even still, the, the, the short list of talent of players who can just, you can run them without a competent coach and they're still able to be successful. It's a very short list. And as much as I love and respect Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they don't make that list in any way, shape, or form. They will never make that list in any way, shape, or form. You need coaching. You need coaching. 
across the board. You need coaching because coaching brings stability. Coaching brings a guide. Coaching brings a, a, a semblance of not just comfort, but a, a, a light to look up to and look at to guide you to where you need to go to be successful. It is a blueprint. A coach is a blueprint that when things go awry or when even things are going right, you can look to him and say, okay, hey, keep doing what you're doing or hey, these you make these adjustments and we're right back on track. That's what a coach is good for, not just making the game plan, but making sure that that game plan stays consistent and making the requisite adjustments necessary because you can have all the talent in the world. If you don't have a quality coach that can tell you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, you won't be successful no matter how much talent you have no matter how much talent you have and that is what coach Vaughn is doing for this roster and now you can sit at this team and say that hey potentially this string of wins and this run that the Brooklyn Nets have been on may not be a fluke it may not be something that this team is just oh they're on a high and they can falter at any point in time we can potentially look at this squad and say hey this can be something serious. This can this can be more than just a run. This can be what this team actually is in the NBA. Now, again, granted, I don't see if this went if the play if the I hate doing this, but if the playoffs started today, if it started today, right now I still don't I still don't think this team can beat Boston. I still don't think this team can beat Milwaukee. And out west, I still don't think I still don't think this team can beat in a seven-game series in abundance of other teams. It's just the truth. I don't feel that that's what's going that's what's going to transpire with this club. Now, again, could they? Yes. Will they? I don't see it. I don't see it now. But the more that this team produces and consistently shows throughout this year that the track record is that they have the ability to play at this level against an abundance of teams from from all makes of talent ranges throughout the entire year. Okay, now you may be able to change your mind. Now you may be able to change your mind. Again, I'm not my pick is still Milwaukee to win the championship. Cuz I'm not going against Giannis in a adept core of pieces and talent, and everybody makes it healthy through the postseason. Not, I'm not going against it. My opinion, I think Giannis is the best player in the world. I'm not going against the best player in the world with the requisite talent around him. I'm not going against that because I just don't think that with that talent and with his production at an MVP caliber level, I don't think with everything going right. In terms of health and everybody being there, nothing catastrophic happens. They got they're my they're my favorite team to win. But even despite that, if the Brooklyn Nets keep playing like they're playing, hey, it can go from eh, I don't see them beating Brook, I don't see them beating the Bucks to oh this might be a series. This could be a series. This could be something. This could be something legitimate. This 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 won't be just a walk in the park. For the books, this could be. Hey, you could get upset, and that is a far cry from what we were saying about this team early on in the year, in reference to Brooklyn. It's a, it's a, it is a distinct disconnect from what we were saying at the start of the year. Thankfully, but I'm not saying that this team is going to be favored. No, I'm saying should they be favored right now? There's still an abundance of teams that I don't think they can beat come the postseason. Can they get out of the first round right now, how they're playing? Sure. Second round, eh, that's when fortitude comes into play. That's when something deeper comes into play. That's when consistency comes into play. You know, the teams have shown a lot more consistency than this Brooklyn Nets squad. But if they are able to stay consistent, if they are able to keep playing at this incredibly shoot I dare say historic ability on the offensive end and play at this great of a level on the defensive end shoot they don't even got to play great they just got to play good 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 they don't even got to play they just got to play good they're playing abysmal at the start of the year they just got to play good they're playing abysmal last year they just got to play good on the defensive end 
have flashes of greatness on the defensive end, coupled with their consistent offensive production they've been that we know that they can do and that they have been showing this year, as well as in years past, this squad can be something serious. This squad is now something to look out for. This is a squad on the Brooklyn Nets that now we have to look and we have to pause when we when we talk about them going up against other teams, specifically other good teams, at least in the regular season. Postseason, not yet. Catch me at all-star break if this team is still producing like they're producing right now. Okay, hey, now we got a conversation. Now I ain't saying they got to go on another 12-game win streak. Go undefeated up until All Star Weekend. I'm not saying that, but if this team can play good basketball and have a good record from now up until All Star Weekend. Now I can put this team into from potential to they are. I can put this team from in 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 the category of this camp. This has. The look of something that can be special to, okay, this team is special. From potential to contender. That's what I, right now they're in the potential category. I can put them in the contender category if they keep this up by All-Star Weekend. I hope they do because, I will love, again, competitiveness is, is incredible. Variety is the spice of life. And the amount of variety of basketball that we've seen from the Brooklyn Nets makes this squad delectable. I would love to see this squad now because this the story behind it coupled with the production coupled with now going from irrelevant to legitimate upset potential. Great. Phenomenal. I applaud it. I hope we see more of it. This is a, in, to, uh, this is and it's not an indictment on the Brooklyn Nets. This is just a concern. The concern with the squad, regardless of anything that's been said, anything that we're seeing, is where will they be come the end of the season because of the fact that we don't know if this is a run of just we fit our stride just for the immediate or if this is now who this team is as an organization. That's where this concern for this basketball team is. Despite anything else, despite all the praise, the concern still stands. It's not an indictment. It's a legitimate cause for pause in this degree. Whether or not this squad of a roster has the ability to make make this brand of basketball not a streak of runs for this team, but an identity that this team is now currently evolved into. But it has now evolved into. So no longer it's just, oh, they're playing great basketball. No, this is a ba- great basketball team. There's a distinction. You can play great basketball, but you're not necessarily a great basketball squad. That's just the nature of the truth. We we saw the OKC beat Boston. What was it 117 to 150? That was great basketball. That's not a great basketball squad. They got one player playing phenomenal basketball. And they got in Shea Gilgis Alexander, a legitimate all-star, should be an all-star starter, if my in my estimation. Be perfectly honest with the way he's been playing. But they got a great player playing great basketball. The rest of the squad looks good. Or okay. Oh, they're okay. They're passive. They're not, they're not anything special. Yeah, you got Josh Giddy. Yeah, you got Luke Dort. They're okay. But they played great basketball that night. They are not a great basketball team. There's a distinction. That's what this Brooklyn Nets team right now is teetering on the line. Though. They are playing great basketball right now. Played great basketball for the last 12 games. Phenomenal. Going on a streak from, from was it, late? Uh, late December to now, or rather early December to now, whenever the streak of runs started, late last year, played great basketball, but they weren't a great basketball team. A great basketball team shows consistency throughout. You don't need to be hot. You need to be cooking. Cooking is a consistent process. Hot is just in the, in, in the immediate. Hot food cools down. A hot stove will get cold. Once you turn it off. But cooking is a process. Cooking is the ability to constantly maintain your heat until the 
food is finished or until the job is done. And that's something that we haven't seen from Brooklyn yet. Right now, this team is hot. The stove is on. Yes, it's, it's a blaze. But will this team have the ability to consistently cook and have a, a constant level of heat? It ain't got to be blazing hot, but a constant level of heat throughout the season to where they can thoroughly cook their entire meal. That's when I'm going to say, okay, yeah, this team is now a great team. That comes with consistency, both in, and we can get a gauge by that, by the All-Star break. Again, All-Star break, if they keep this up, this is turned into a great team. This is turned into a great team. Once we hit that halfway point, once we hit the All-Star weekend, and this team is still poised as one of the tops in the East, if not in all of the NBA, now we can say this team is a great team. But until then, this team is, is, is hot. Phenomenal is hot. Oven was broken at the start of the year. Good gosh, that heat was busted. It was off. It wasn't even off. The knob fell off. Stove wasn't working. There was a gas leak. And there was this team, forget it wasn't working. There was a gas leak in the Nets organization. And this squad was potentially going to be blown up. The organization was about to be blown up. That's what was about to happen. Not only did they, did they contain the gas leak and fix the oven, but now it looks like this team is, legit, is legitimately cooking something special. Looks like the potential is there. We just have to wait and see whether or not it actually bodes true by the time All-Star Weekend comes into play. Once we hit that break, is it what's considered the, the halfway point in the season? Now we can look at this team and say, are you a great team or were you just hot? And now you've cooled off. Again, if you're just a good team, that's still great. If you're not great, and if you're not necessarily, if you don't, if it bows that you're not necessarily a contender, but you're just a good squad, that's still progress that we weren't going, we did not think was going to happen at the start of this season. That's what that was. We didn't think this was going to happen at the start of the season. We didn't think you could get to a good squad at the start of this year. That's still an accomplishment. But the potential is there for this team to be great, and I'm wholeheartedly there for it. This ain't no unbiased, ain't me trying to cover my butt or anything like that. I call it like I see it. If the team is performing, they're performing. If they're not, they're not. And that's just the way that it is. If they can perform, but they're not doing it, well, then they're failing themselves. If they, if it looks like that they can't perform, but they're actually doing it, what do I say? Well, this team has found a secret to success within their own roster. Despite what we say about how the roster looks, this team has found a way to win. It's, 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 there's no favoritism that needs to be done when it comes to di di dissecting the NBA or otherwise. It's none of that. It's legitimately just point blank, period. Whatever the team is doing and whatever this team potential is, it's just that. If they are looking like they can reach it, you say it. If they look like they can't, you say it. And in both instances, you say why. That's it. Ain't no hate. Ain't no Kyrie Irving hate. Ain't no Kevin Durant hate. Ain't no Brooklyn Nets hate. Ain't no being quiet over anything. The reason why a lot of people were quiet over the Brooklyn Nets in this hot stretch of runs is because of the fact that we were waiting at any point in time for the floor to fall out in front of them. Because that's not an uncommon thing with the squad. It's not something that's out the, out the norm when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. No, it's not. And the fact that people think, oh, we're just sleeping on the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, why ain't y'all talking about them now? No, it ain't because we don't want to talk about them. It's because we need to wait to see some consistent success. We have to. We have to. When a squad is, was this bad, when an organization was this bad and this in shambles, with no track record, if they can actually perform, it, the point of contention when it comes to evaluating squads like this is, well, are we jumping ship on calling this team good? That's, and it's legitimate. 
But now this team has shown me, hey, the, 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 this is more than this can potentially be more than just a stretch of runs. Right now, it looks like they're on a run, but the way that they're winning and how they've kept up their offensive output and defensively riding the ship, coupled with the new coach, Jacques Vaughn, being somebody that seemingly is a beacon of light and hope and a beacon of, for people to look to and gravitate towards on that team. Now it looks like, okay, they're putting stuff together that we did not dream they could put together at the start of the year. Now, couple that with the immense success that they've been having. Okay, now we can look at the squad and say, okay, y'all are performing great. Y'all are performing well. At this stage right now, like I said in the past, this team is looking like something serious. Like I said in past recent episodes, this team is looking like it can be something serious. This team right now is looking like a team to beat. This team right now is looking like a top team in the East. Looking like. Looking like. But whether we say that they are definitively comes after the All-Star break. Once, they, once we see that they can hold this through the halfway point of the season or up till the halfway point of the season, that's when, okay, now we can definitively put the moniker of what this team is on them we can call this team a great team right now this is a hot team hopefully they stay hot this is a hot team this is a good team that's playing hot they're not great yet i'll call them good they're still a top team yes but we've seen records pull the wool over our eyes both in the nfl and in the nba serious this is a good team that's playing hot. I'm not going to call them great until they play like this through the All-Star break. Once that happens, now we can have a conversation of this team is great. Absolutely. 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 And I can't wait for it. I'm excited for it. Absolutely, I am excited for this squad. So, with that being said, now we have to talk about the MVP conversation. Because Kevin Durant, the way he's been playing, has moved himself legitimately into top five for the MVP. This man, this brother has been playing so, so well, so well, so well. It's not even funny. This is, some, this is some of the best basketball that he's been playing in his career, legitimately. And the man can only get better and better and better and better and better, potentially as the season goes on. But should he be higher? Should he be lower? And who should be the front runner right now for the MVP? Kevin Durant right now is exactly where. You know what? Right now, I would put Kevin Durant. I want to say he should stay exactly where he is. Want to? Actually, no, actually, not even a doubt. He should. He should be there. Kevin Durant, fifth All Star. But not all-star. Fifth and MVP for my ranking, that's how I feel that he should be. That's how exactly how I feel that he should be. I feel like Joel Embiid should be four. Giannis should be three. Luka should be two. And Nikola Jokic should be one. Now, I know a lot of people are getting on Nikola Jokic and getting on Luka Doncic about... Uh, how can Luka not be MVP all of a sudden? No, 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 whatever. Luka Doncic right now is playing generational basketball. I've consistently said, and the whole league knows this, he's failing, or rather he's been failed by his roster. That's what's holding this man back. I'm serious. And, 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 and again, me, I've been the guy that values individual production. Right, in, fact, in fact, hold on. Let's, 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 let's break down what I feel MVP voting should be. The one thing about MVP voting is I feel like everybody constantly flip-flops consistently. And one of those things is because of records. One of the biggest misconceptions as to who should be MVP is the record of a team. Why do I feel that? Because when Devin Booker was potentially third in MVP voting, I forget which year. One year he was starting MVP voting. 
And this brother, again, the team was playing phenomenal, great, cool, cool, fine, fine, fine. Had the best record in the NBA, Phoenix Suns. This man was averaging 27, 6, and 4. Great numbers. Great numbers. Absolutely great numbers. Those are not MVP numbers. Individually, those are not MVP numbers. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. Those are not MVP caliber numbers. But yet, people still had him third. Some people had him first in MVP voting because of the fact that they were saying he's the best player on the best team. Hence, he should be the leading vote getter for MVPs. And what sense does that make when you then had people like Giannis averaging 30, 30, 12, and like six, 30, 12, six, and five, something like that. Like what the world? An abundance of players having a better individual season than him, yet he was voted or was getting third in MVP voting. Made no sense. And yet people use that as such a big thing, records, for whether or not a player should be winning MVP when another player should is having a better season all around. Records should not be what dictates whether or not somebody should be MVP or not. It just should. Jason Tatum was at one point in time leading MVP. Leading MVP candidate. Absolutely. No question about it. He should have been. He was one of the numbers as well as he had team records. Now, again, I'm not saying that the record shouldn't matter. Let's get that straight right now before I even move forward. The record should matter, but it shouldn't be have as much weight as people are putting on it. It should not have as much weight as people are putting on it. Way too much being put on the record of a team as opposed to the individual production of a player. Way too much. Jason Tatum... At one point in time, was first in MVP voting. Should have been. He was. He, he shoot. I had him. He was putting up. He was putting up thirty. Thirty. What, what was he putting? In fact, what's he putting up right now? Right now. Right now, Kevin. Not not Kevin Durant. Excuse me. My apologies. Right now, Jason Tatum is putting up numbers of thirty points, four assists, eight rebounds. Shooting, if I got my stuff correct, 47%. Phenomenal. Definitely MVP caliber material. Great. However, now, I bumped him down. Bumped him down a a ton. You know why? Because Joel Embiid's having a better season. Giannis is having just as good of a season. And in my opinion, it's a better defender. Luca has had an incredible year. Just only losing, losing well, he's not losing anymore. At least not as much. Right now, Dallas is 22 and 16. But even still, at that point in time, was struggling to get above 500. Yet, he was still putting up insurmountably incredible runs of basketball. Not just runs throughout the entire season. It wasn't runs, runs, runs. It was legitimately throughout the whole year. This brother was getting better and better and better and better and better. Overtook Jason Tatum. Even though his record was abysmal. At least by MVP standards. And Nikola Jokic. All of them is having a better season. Shoot, you can argue Kevin Durant's on par with Jason Tatum right now. They both, the, the, the record is, is, is close. Record is close. 25 and 13, 26 and 12. Kevin Durant, 25 and 13. Jason Tatum, 26 and 12 on the year. And Katie's putting up 29, 5 and 6. On 56% field goal percentage. See, I didn't even realize that. Great day in the morning. I did not even realize it. Kevin Durant is shooting, rounded up 67, not 67, 57%. Shooting from the perimeter and the inside. Not not just scoring in the paint. Shooting from everywhere. 57%. Just playing outright sublime basketball. And his team is winning. 
when does it stand? Where, where should Jason Tatum be now? He's got the best record in the NBA. But Kevin Durant's got numbers on par. Joel Embiid's got numbers on par, if not better. Donis has numbers on par, if not better. Lucas got numbers better. And Yoko's got numbers across the board a bit. MVP voting has gotten skewed to the point that we only care about the wins of the players and not the players' individual production. You can't value. And then you want to say, oh, the players' production equates to winning. And if you're playing so much, or you're playing quote-unquote MVP caliber ball, but your team isn't winning, well, you ain't valuable. Well, that's just idiotic. That's just stupid. Maybe it's the team that isn't producing, but the player outright is playing great. See, people have been trying to figure out what does MVP mean most valuable. Does that mean that you mean the most for your team? Does that mean that you bring the most value out of every player in the NBA? All these different things. The MVP has been, for the majority of, the, of for my understanding of time, who in the world has been performing the best individually this season? Not necessarily that you're the best player, but individually, who has been putting up numbers that are better than everybody else? Who has individually dominated, dominated the NBA better than anybody else in the league? That's what MVP has been, from my understanding, for the better part of how long I've been following basketball, and basketball as a whole. Who has across the board dominated the game better than anybody else this year? Yes, there have been robberies, sure. Well, absolutely. I feel like LeBron was robbed when Derrick Rose won it. I feel like I know Shaq was robbed when Steve Nash won it. I know Kobe was robbed of a couple MVPs. I know LeBron's been robbed, shoot, as of late, of a couple MVPs. Well, not, 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 uh, outside of the 2020 winning season, championship aside, he was putting up MVP numbers that you can argue could have been warranted him winning MVP. He didn't. I'm not mad at it. But even still, we've seen robberies, but the majority of the time, it's been who has dominated the league more than anybody else. Not who's most valuable, because then break, what do you mean break that down? Break that down. Because one of the most valuable players in the league, for as much as I've been on him for being, for underperforming by his own standards, but what I know he can act, could actually do, and now just completely the pants dropped from under him, Draymond Green. He's, consistently we've been saying he's one of the most valuable pieces for his squad and everybody else in the NBA. We know he's not, a, he's not an MVP candidate. So what the world does value mean? All these superlatives, what does it mean? What, what in fact does it mean? to have more value than somebody else. Concretely. I mean, you can see it, sure, but once you get to the upper echelon, like with MVP voting, and MVP caliber players like Jokic, Luka, MB, Giannis, Tatum, Durant, you can even put Ja and Zion in there. Bottom tier, but yet still there. What does it mean to have value? It, it because it's because it's so it's so muddy, and because you can use so many factors for who's bringing the most value to a team. I hate using that. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it with a passion. Who has been the mo one of the most unguardable, unstoppable, dominant, consistent players in the league right now? That's the question. That's what MVP Bolton should be. Who was the, who has been the clear who's clear cut had the best individual season? My pick has been Nikola Jokic. Again, I keep saying Lucas move quickly moving his way up, and if he keeps playing like this, I'm gonna say yeah he deserves to be. And no, this isn't because his record is worse than Nikola Jokic. No, I'm not saying that at all. It's because across the board I've seen. Jokic, as a center, 25, or rather rounding up, 26, 11, and 10. If you want to go just, just, just bare bones, 
25.6 points a game, 10.8 rebounds, and 9.5 assists. By the way, he's averaging almost still in half a game. Shooting incredibly well. Being the driving force for everything that the Nuggets do. And no matter who's been put in front of him, has played utterly stupid against every single major matchup. Man is shooting 61% from the field while shooting 35% from three. It's incredible. He's legitimately, it's, it's one of the most beautiful brands of basketball that I've seen. That's why I have him right now as the number one. It can change in a heartbeat depending on if Luka keeps this run up. Absolutely. But even, like, like again, He's, it, there's not been a, a defense, there's not been a man, there's not been a scheme, there's not been a player, there's not been an organization that's been able to stop Jokic from putting up nearly a 25-point triple-double as a center. Do you understand that? See, it's different. There's certain things that you marvel at. You know, remember when Russell Westbrook won MVP and we were giving him all the credit in the world because it was something we, we had rarely seen before since Oscar Robinson? justifiably so, he deserved MVP. I have never seen a player be this proficient from the field as well as have the ability to be the best passer in the NBA and a top rebounder while also having great hands, 1.5 steals, shooting 60%, from the field, 35% from three, his shooting split and 81% from the free throw line, virtually no weaknesses in his offensive game, defensively still playing good, and as a center. If it was just 25 and 10, with like six assists, no. Nah, he wouldn't be my MVP. It would be it would be Luca. But it's the fact that this Nikola Jokic is putting up a, across the board, both on like eye test and statistically, has been so far and away dominant, stupidly dominant across nearly every metric at a rate that I've rarely it like at an historic rate. It boggles my mind, legitimately. It, it, it legitimately does. That's why I have him as my number one. Because across the board, whether you want to go to advanced stats or you want to go to just numbers, straight up numbers, this man has been producing so well at such a high rate, at such an unguardable level. Right now, he's my front runner for MVP. The record just adds to his production. It just adds to his production. It just adds to how great he's been this year. He's my MVP for this year because he's been playing uh, like, like like phenomenal. It's been phenomenal. This is the center nearly, nearly averaging 10 assists, 10 boards, and 25. Excuse me, 26 points a game. And we know he can put up 30. On top of that, he's an Ironman. On top of that, he doesn't take days off. Normally, if not, if if any, at all. He's, 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 he's right now, he's the best playmaker in the NBA. He's got some of the best hands for a big man in the NBA. He's the best passer in the NBA. He's a dominant scorer, one of the, the best post player in the NBA today. And it's there. there is virtually no gaps in his game. And he's playing at such a flawless level. Flawless, flawless level. It's it it it's it's incredible. It's incredible. It's it's it it is awe inspiring. That's why I have Jokic as my MVP. But currently right now, but Luca can in a fast way get up there. He can get up. Again, it's early. It's early MVP race. 
right now. Absolutely. Stuff can change on a whim, on a dime. Right now, the way it's looking, by the end of the year, we may be seeing Luka hoist up that trophy. But it's going to be a fight between him and Jokic. It's going to be a fight between him and Jokic. It's going to be a fight between Luka and Jokic. I can tell you that right now. It's, it's shaping up to be an incredible MVP race. I can't wait to see it. When Luka has been playing, again, out of his mind, the closest thing that we're going to get to Larry Bird today, not defensively, but offensively, the closest thing that we're going to get to Larry Bird today, the amount of poise and feel for the game, like I've said before, is something otherworldly for a player as young as him. He's playing like he's, like again, a veteran. 15 years in the NBA, already a lock for the Hall of Fame, and he's only in year five. He's only 23 years old. He is something special. He is outright special. Can't wait to see more from him. He's going to be phenomenal. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be incredible, and don't let the record fool you. If it turns out that he does deserve MVP and his team's record isn't up to par, Guess what? I'm saying he's MVP. I will not hesitate to say that Lucas should be MVP. If his record doesn't show it, but his individual production does, I will say he's MVP. I'm not going to let something stupid like a record that isn't the best in the league sway me from what should be done that's right, which is if he if he keeps on playing like this and deserves it, he should be MVP of the league. Right now it's Jokic. I got him at number one. Luka number two, and it's closing in fast. But if it turns out that Luka should be number one, you best believe I'm going to sit here and say it. I will sit here and say it. And I dare anybody to fight me over record or otherwise. Because you, you can't tell me that Embiid, you can't even tell me that Giannis, you can't tell me that Kevin Durant, you can't tell me that Justin Tatum, you can't tell me that Donovan Mitchell, even with a 71-point performance, you can't tell me Jai. You can't tell me Zion. You can't tell me anybody right now. Outside of Jokic has been playing better basketball. You can't. Right now, it's, 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 it's hard to say anybody is playing better basketball. And if he keeps playing like this and his team's record isn't the best in the league or top three, let's say it's, it's fourth, fifth, and he's still putting up and he keeps putting up 34, what is it, 34, 8, and 8. Shoot, if he, if he leads the league in scoring for averages and still puts up, shoot, at this point, we'll round up 35, 9, and 9 at the clip that he's been playing at throughout the season, you better believe he's MVP. Record or not, he's MVP. If he keeps that up. Right now, it's Jokic. But I'm telling you, if Luka keeps playing like this, you better believe I'm changing my tune and Luka's going to be MVP. At the drop of a hat, I will say it. I will say it, and I won't be, I won't be ashamed of it. And I wish somebody would come out and try to say, oh, but look at Jason Tatum. Look at the record. I, I wish somebody would. That's a bold-faced lie. If it turns out he's playing, keeps playing like this, but his record just doesn't show it, and y'all going to take away votes from him? Idiotic. Idiotic. Stupid is what that would be. Good gosh, this, this season's heating up, and I'm so excited for it. That MVP race is going to be something incredible. It's jostling for position, and I'm telling you, right now, while I got Jokic as one, Luca moving up the ladder is really showing himself far and away to potentially be in line for the clear-cut MVP if I'm voting. However you vote is however you vote, but don't let records or super, superfluous stuff and, and flashy words like value, meaning to the team, Affect the way you vote unless somebody can abstractly and definitively justify what that means. Because it means there's something different from everybody. Don't let that sway you from understanding 
MVP should be. Who's been the who has been the clear cut this season best player in basketball? Has had the best season, has been the most dominant, the most unguardable, the most unstoppable across the board, or so unstoppable in one facet of the game that it's just too hard to ignore that it overshadows the lapses on the other end of the floor. Again, Luka isn't a great defender, but right now offensively and everything else that he's done for the game just trumps everything that he lacks on the defensive end. When it gets to that point, yeah, you better start looking and saying, hey, this brother might be MVP coming into the year. And I can't wait for it. My goodness, it's going to be something special to see. But this has been another episode of The Watch Report. I've been your host, John Lee Watch. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me on this episode. We got so much more to cover, so many other sports to talk about, and I'm going to be right here throughout the year covering it with you. Please, again, like the video if you're watching on YouTube, comment your thoughts and opinions, subscribe to the channel, and share the video to everybody that you know. We're available on every major podcasting platform. I've been John Lee Watch. You've been my beautiful listeners and viewers. Peace and love. We out of here.